We live in a moment where dance might seem unimportant or unnecessary. However, I am going to make every possible effort to highlight dance as a key contributor to the evolution of human consciousness. For those of you who are dancers or dance lovers, you know the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual transcendence of dancing and watching dance and how all that influences who we are today. My name is Jorge Crecis. I am a choreographer, lecturer, author, and coach. For the last 23 years, I have been investigating how I could help others how to facilitate those states of consciousness associated to peak performance and flow. In this third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With, I am tackling head-on what really interests me, how dance practices can help us, even if it's just in a minuscule way, to evolve as a more conscious species. And given the circumstances, given the state of the world, that's a big task. Therefore, I am not going to try to do it alone. I am inviting world-class dance makers, performers, scientists, scholars, and philosophers in order to deconstruct and speculate if and how dance can be a vehicle to develop human consciousness. If and how, we'll see. This third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With is supported by not one, but two platforms that maximize the power of the World Wide Web and serve dancers and choreographers from all over the world. This season is brought to you by Choreography Online, the online platform designed for choreographers to build an international name and generate income at the same time. The first time I was introduced to the idea, I thought, oh, this is genius. Choreographers have to upload one video of the entire piece and one video of themselves or their assistant explaining the choreography, counts, intentions, etc. And that's it, very simple. Anywhere in the world, your choreography can be purchased, learned and performed for however long you would like to license it. Step up your choreography career with Choreography Online. Visit choreography.online. Very simple. On a recent trip to LA, I connected with Gracie and Laura. I know Gracie from way back, but when I got to know what they are up to, I became a true fan and I knew that what they were doing to spread the knowledge about floor work technique is very special. Ground Grooves TV is a virtual studio to expand your floor work practice from anywhere. Explore an ever-expanding library of floor work classes for all levels. Fitness classes to build strength, stamina, and flexibility. Foundation videos to deepen your understanding of mechanics and details, and concept videos to expand your artistry. Start your seven-day free trial by visiting groundgrooves.tv and receive your personalized training program. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the first episode of the third season of the podcast Towards Vivencia in Conversation With. Our guest today doesn't need much of a presentation. He is mainly known as the artistic director of the UK-based Hoffes Schechter company, formed in 2008. They are constantly touring the world and it's a reference company for so many people around the world. Hoffes has also staged and choreographed works on leading international dance companies, including Alvin Ailey, Batseba, Kandoko, 
Zeta Lake Contemporary Ballet, NDT, Netherlands Dance Theatre, the Paris Opera Ballet, the Royal Ballet, and the Royal Ballet of Flanders. He has also choreographed for theatre and television and opera. In 2016, he received a Tony Awards nomination for his choreography for the Broadway revival of Fiddler on the Roof. Grand Finale was nominated for an Oliver Award for Best New Dance Production. In 2018, Hoffet Sector was awarded an Honorary OBE, Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, for his services to dance. In 2020, Hoffet Sector Company was named the winner of the Fedora Van Cleef and Arpels Prize for Ballet for Light Bach Dances, in collaboration with Royal Danish Opera and co-directed by Hoffet Sector and John Full James. I just talked to him a few days after he finished his surfing holidays in the north of Spain. So that's where we started. And from there, we went on and on talking about how dance gives us the opportunity to experience life for what it is. What is the whole point of dance in a fucked up world? Transference of consciousness through dance, that was one of my favorite parts of the conversation. How the dancers that work with Hoffes achieve a state of flow through the sense of togetherness. The care and support that an artist needs as a human to continue risking and making good work, and the limits and discipline of self-care. Honestly, one of the most profound and pragmatic conversations that I've ever had in this podcast. And also remember, at the end of the conversation, you have our new section, Towards Juventia, to take away, where Bridget will highlight the best bits of the episode and will give you an action that takes all those best bits to implement them in your life. This week is a very simple exercise that I'm sure many of us need to do more often. Without further ado, I leave you with my conversation with Mr. Hoffes Sector. Thank you so much for being part of the Towards Vivencia in conversation with today Hoffes Sector. I'm really excited about this conversation and you are opening the third season. A pleasure, absolute pleasure. I'm just excited to to talk with you, Jorge. So, you know, whatever comes, comes. We know, as you said before the recording, we know how a dance piece, a new creation starts, but we never know where it's going. So that's what is going to happen. That's the good case, you know. What is the bad case? The bad case is you know exactly where it's going. Good. We'll get into that you, you afterwards. Know, you know the result and you know the conclusion, then you sh- just shouldn't start, you know? That's called a commercial commission, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, which, I just want to. Which are blessed as well, you know? Which are blessed as well, commercial commissions, you know? Don't, don't want to badmouth anything. No, of course not. We don't say no. We, already, <laughs> we just started, we already complimented and insulted quite a few people. So. Probably I will edit this out or not. We will see. <laughs> so I'm going to start with that, with the preparation of the interview. I got a lot of questions in the locker. I don't know where we will go, but I would like to start with something that took my attention and actually goes right into the theme of what I would like to talk to you. In one of the questions that I asked you for me to prepare this interview was, can you tell me one or two things that you feel most proud of? And your answer really surprised me in a good way. I really liked it. And your answer was... Pop-up, that I can pop up on a surfboard. Exactly. And that's something I'm proud of. Tell me more about that. Well, uh, there's not much to say. I was recently on a 
what one will call a surfing holiday in the north of Spain, um, a couple of weeks. And I, I during COVID, actually um, went to Cornwall at a certain point, and uh, it was so it's about uh, you know two years ago, and um, it was the first time in my life that I surfed. Um, People told me you're gonna love it, blah blah. You know the low pelvis and the plie is good for it, you know stuff like that. But I really I surfed only for one day in uh, during COVID and I just completely loved it. I don't know something about harnessing the power of a wave and the moment that you actually stand and just fly, float on the on the water. And it's also something that is very very alien to me and to my life it's a bit of a long story but i'm from jerusalem jerusalem is in the mountain and in israel we are known to be like a big no-no with water so the whole idea of the sea and stuff like that i always you know if i spend more than 12 minutes in the sea i'm like oh too much you know so i decided to go on this holiday in uh, in spain uh, now in the summer um and to take surfing kind of seriously it was amazing. It was really difficult. It was really frustrating for many times. Uh, I got this kind of like rage attacks against the sea. You know, the sea is like, there is no really compromise. I mean, you can be friends with the sea, but the sea decides what we do. And this is very difficult. You know, for me, it was very difficult. If I want to go this direction and the water is pulling you the other direction, I was really like going like with my head against the wall getting very frustrated until I realized that there is no way around it. You just have to go with the sea and you have to go with what it gives you. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing experience for me, you know, spending a lot of time in the water and, uh, you know, three hours a day and stuff like that, you know, really feeling the salt falling, getting cleansed by the ocean, you know, and stuff like that. And And I have to say, because you asked me about pride or being proud and it's something I I kind of like I didn't want to fall into the trap because I it's very difficult for me to feel proud of my work you know I is even I think the idea understanding how complicated it is doing work and how dependent in it it is on external elements I mean of course you know it's like you have a chef so I understand that I'm the chef, you know, and I make decisions, I buy the tomatoes, I chop them, but I have a lot of people helping me without the kitchen, without the helpers and without the tomatoes and without understanding that the meal in the end of the day is just not me. It's like other people on stage, you know, it's the way the energy came together and so on. So it's very difficult to feel proud. I can feel fulfilled and I can feel, um, um, I don't know, a sense of gratitude maybe or can feel very powerful emotions when I share work with other people but pride is kind of very dangerous but in the surfing I was just like a little kid and I like just wanted you know if I stand I just wanted my girlfriend to like take a video of me so everybody can see that I can do it you know <laughs> um, because it's really tough surfing is really tough so long story short here you go that's that was my answer Fantastic. And, and I'm really happy that you didn't fall into the trap because actually the trap was the answer that you gave me because actually that's right into the point of the conversation that I want to have with you. I wanted to invite you to this podcast because of course of your trajectory, but because I know that through your work and the 
little conversations that we had in the past, there is something that it's very related to what I do or what I would like to talk about in this podcast from a very di different perspective because each of us has a very different perspective. And actually surfing gets us right into the wave of what I want to talk about because you were talking about rage, you were talking about frustration, you were talking about fighting the sea, you were talking about getting um, frustrated and getting into the, the salty water. But... There was only a couple of phrases that it seems almost like a religious experience, like a sacred uh, cleanse and, and, and things like that. But most of it sounds quite negative. So tell me about what is the thing that hook you into that, because I know it's tough, but you hook you into the, the, the surfing. What makes you like, I really want to do this tomorrow, another three hours. What is that feeling, that sensation in the moment, during and after that gets your dopamine going, saying like, that's the reward system. I really want to do that again. I think there is something that at the moment that you succeed, you know, succeed in, in the terms that you set for yourself, which is a pop-up stand on the surfboard and go with the wave. You, you are in a certain harmony with everything around you. It's just a really powerful feeling. You... Yeah, you're sort of like utilizing a very powerful energy that is just right there, that is not yours, but you are connecting to it and you're kind of like riding it quite literally. There's something really addictive about it because you're trying to perfect something that is just never the same. It's never perfect. You know, you you can be in a flow or not. Um but you know the waves are always different the the situation is always different and it's always a bit of a but a bit of a battle you know it's not it's you know it's never just easy but when you flow with it it's just i don't know the sense of uh, satisfaction is so uh, powerful um i don't know it's hard to explain i can only describe it as being connected to something there and it is something about being in the moment you know like you you have to be really alert of the situation of the sea you have to be alert of the wave there's so many complexities to to uh, surfing that when you don't know much about it you think ah, oh, you just like you know you catch the wave and there is timing there is angles there is position there is strength there is you know so much going on uh, and a lot that i don't know yet um that at the moment that it gets into some kind of synchronization, it's just really powerful. You just feel like it's addictive, you know, you just feel like you are really riding some sort of flow. Um, and it's weird because there is something between control and letting go and kind of like being in the control of something else because you, you have to be in control of yourself to get yourself onto that surfboard, but then you are taken, I don't know, there are paradoxes there that are just really interesting. But, you know, without getting too philosophical, it's just fun. <laughs> you know, when you get it, it's so much fun. Um, so I don't know. And I I mean, I, I can see you uh, enjoying this because I, I, I also, I can't help thinking about the connection to creation and thinking about the connection to, you know, to when you make a dance piece is like, is like a wave. You know, and what I said before, you there are so many elements that are out of your control, actually, and you're sort of trying to harness, you know, you have a direction, you have an idea, you have a dream, you have maybe a feeling, but you try to harness all these elements into 
into a focused experience, into a flow. Um, and it can be incredibly challenging, you know? So yeah, it, it's funny. I can see a lot of similarities. And again, the paradox of my life, I think, and uh, I don't know, the stuff I hear people say about me, that's what they say to my face. So I can't imagine what they don't say to my face, but you know that I can be really a control freak in the nicest way, you know, that I really, that I really, you know, I know what I want and I, you know, and that idea of recognizing that there is something in me that I really want to control the elements and at the same time, it's just impossible. You know, I have a group of dancers. I mean, they have free will, they have creativity, which I love, you know, and more and more I give in to this and create with them. But um, that paradox for me is really an interesting part of my life. You know, as a choreographer, you try to make decision and you try to be in a flow. So you're flowing with things, but then you make decisions, but then you're in a flow. So it's kind of out of control, in control. Um, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't, maybe that's just my personal experience and it doesn't matter. What matters is the questions, the energy, the power of the work and the questions that it gives to people, you know? Um, talking too much already. Uh, as you said, I was really enjoying your answer because you mentioned a few times that magical also complicated world of flow and this is a little bit what i was going towards so what towards vivencia is actually what we do here is we we were that state of consciousness of presence that it happens to me that it was through dance that i experienced them and i was an athlete before but it happens that it was dance that hooked me and while you were talking about surfing i was thinking i'm really looking forward to edit this part and not say what we are talking about and being half a sector, many people would say, oh, he's talking about dance. <laughs> he's talking about dancing. And this is exactly a little bit why, where I would like to start with you. So let's start the podcast now. <laughs> let's talk about consciousness and the states of consciousness and the states of being. Because as I said, for me, was dance the first experience that helped me to experience that experience? And, and it's complicated because we all experience in different ways, therefore we all talk in different ways. But through dance, mountaineering, uh, climbing, uh, running, swimming, surfing, many people report similar experiences through different uh, scenarios or through different uh, stimuli. And there is many ways to understand consciousness. There is not a simple definition and hasn't been an agreed one. Uh, the most common one is the experience to be. And I don't know what you experience by surfing, but I can imagine because I experienced something similar. So from towards Vivencia, we take the stance of looking at those states of consciousness through neurophysiology. What is, what is happening in the central and peripheral nervous system for us to experience those experiences? And it's well documented, although there is still a lot of research to get there. But I'm very interested what dance needs to say about that so many times we use neuroscience to enhance dance or we use engineering to enhance dance or we use uh, architecture to enhance dance but i think it's a moment as well that dance can contribute to the conversation of such a philosophical and important question at what is consciousness and how we train it because also from my stance i agree with the idea that consciousness is a universal phenomenon that because of our limited neurophysiology, we perceive it as an isolated phenomenon, meaning that you feel that you are you and I feel that I am me, but actually that's a limit of our perception. Um, that, that's a much more complicated conversation, but the idea is that like light or like uh, gravity, 
consciousness might be, might be, we don't know, a universal phenomenon that we perceive as an isolated phenomenon that you are you and me and me because of how our organs of perceptions are built. Therefore, through dance or through surfing, I believe that we change, we open our organs of perception, our neurophysiology is changed, like it happens with certain chemical substances, and our perception is enhanced. Somehow we believe, we feel that we became one with the surfing board and with the water or with the wind or with the music and dance. And I would like to, to jump from surfing into dance and to see if you've experienced something similar, if that's something that it's consciously part of your work or it's something that happens because you talk a lot about groove and through your uh, work, many of us experience an elated state through the music, through the through the lighting. Um, it's something that probably you've heard. And I would like to, and that's why I would like to open this third season with you. You are very special because your work has that feeling in the audience, as many people reported. Some of them might not. But I would like to know if it's as a choreographer, as someone directing chopping the tomatoes and buying the tomatoes, is that a conscious decision that you want to go into there? Or it just happened as an accident and it's not an accident. I mean, it can happen by trail and error and mistakes and stuff. <clears throat> I love repetition. I love I love repeating also ideas and kind of like mirroring ideas within ideas inside a piece. But also, I think the idea that a piece is a sort of like a trip that um, essentially, I think, in the beginning, I don't know if I think about it so much now, but essentially my mission in a way, also because of the person that I am. So my mission for myself as a service to myself and maybe also for my audience is to lose myself. Now that's that becomes even more complicated sentence, right? Because when I say to lose myself, I mean to lose my thinking mind, to, to be inside the piece. And, you know, it's every piece starts with ideas and we are people and we're trying to analyze what's going on on stage. And great, you know, I'm, I'm utilizing this. I'm aware that me as a human being and my fellow audience, you know, they're trying to understand what's going on. You know, it's a dance piece, but they're trying to understand what's going on. They're trying to put things together, understand what, what's the story, maybe what's the message, what the feeling, what's the question, what's the problem. Um, my super ambition is to disappear into some black hole through that journey into some kind of like trip into some kind of a mantra i don't know how to call it that um you forget that you are watching something you you sort of disappear and you just start just flying with it you know just start floating with it there are still thoughts there are still emotions but you are you know you are not kind of judging it and and you know it's very tricky it's a super sarcastic world and and you know people are you know dance piece is a very difficult thing to make you know you could take apart any dance piece if you if you go to the theater and you want to uh, you know basically like be super judgmental about something because I mean, every dance piece is very simple you say oh so this is about that and about that that's really the work is for people that want to be moved, <laughs> you know, that, that's also something that helps me when I create work and I start worrying about, I'm like, the work is for people that want to go on that trip with me uh, and with my dancers. 
Um, and there is definitely an effort to to utilize the how to say the noise of the world, the ideas, the concepts, our culture, you know, everything that I'm aware that is there, uh, but to create something that hit in the gut in the end. And I think that for something to hit in the gut, you have to find a way into some kind of like a, I don't know how to call it, a trip, a, um, I don't know, words are not coming now. Just just a sort of like a, a train of energy or, you know, it depends on the work and different works, I think, it's happening in my works in different ways. Like you look at Political Mother from like uh, whatever, 12 years ago. And it's this kind of like a really, it's a tsunami of like noise and, and information in a way, you know, clockwork orange style. There is so much information that that you just feel like you're being taken just like the, just like in the city. But that's like a storm, you know. Um, if I look like at the last work I did for my company that is called The Fix, it's it's very slow, it's very quiet, but you sort of disappear in the slowness of it. It's like you look in between the particles and you start finding all the space in between. And it's another way of trip, you know. Um, so yeah, there is something cleansing for me about this, this thing. And also I wanted to say, so difficult to talk about dance, but I think dance is exactly you know, all the definitions that you speak about, you know, I am me, you are you, and this separation, there are two things that are so powerful in dance. One is it's very obvious that it's so subjective. You know, once a person starts moving, they're feeling something which is very personal to them. We will never know what it is. But if they are so focused, if they are so uh, connected to something, I'll bet my life that 75% of the people that are watching them for whatever reason that I don't think scientifically can be totally understood, they're experiencing a very similar energy. There is a transfer of consciousness, of experience. Um, and I think once you tap into this, um, very powerful things happening in the theater. The theater is like this kind of like quite, a, quite an experimental space. It's very... Um, isolated it's very good in a way you know the noises of the world are closed down um, it's like a dream state you know it's dark and then you just see images so it is working on a very deep level I think theater and I see it happen I experience it happen maybe I'm imagining it you know but I I can feel it happening with my audience many times and it's really fascinating you know it's really really fascinating and also when I say this cliche to people each show is different every night it's different you know people go like mm -hmm. it's so hard to explain how true that is that a show can be like an unbelievably powerful experience tonight and tomorrow it will just be like a piece of shit really you know it will just be like that was just horrible embarrassing nothing happened it was pushed and it just felt like you know not real and fake and so many you know what's happening to the performers is everything together with the timing of where the audience is and the I don't know what's happening in the world and everything so it's such a paradoxal art form 
dance because it, it is a very subjective thing, but it, there is something about the chemistry around it, I don't know how to call it, that uh, creates a chain effect of consciousness that is evident, really, really evident to the people that are open for it. There is uh, something that you were saying about to lose that your mission for yourself is to lose your thinking mind. And also you were talking about for the audience who wants to or, or can go on that trip to silence the noise of outside uh, hitting the gut. There's a cleansing energy. So all that might be goals on itself. And the difficult question is, are those the goals on itself of your goals, of your work, your mission to lose your thinking mind, to lose your, to, uh, to take the audience on that trip who wants to go, silence the noise, or is there a meta, a more meta goal or a more meta why that experiences are important? Why not? No, I think all these things are, um, it's a state, it's like a tool. I think once you arrive to that state, you know, once your thinking mind disappears, once you're in a flow, um, then it allows you to connect with, it allows you to discover, then it allows you to experience. I suppose it's about experience. And I suppose that I feel that inside life and inside the noise of life, it's difficult to achieve the experience of life. Um, so by describing <laughs> difficulty, we are talking about dance, but by describing life as you live through it, you are missing it, you know, by telling yourself the story of your life by, you know, so we live in a very strong world of definitions. Um, the world of dance gives us the opportunity to, to somehow unpick that and disappear from the thinking mind. And I think the, the real mission is then to experience life for what it is, which I don't know. I, I really don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm getting glimpses incredibly mysterious and incredibly inexplicable and incredibly powerful they feel very valid but if i had to uh, go buy with it something in the marketplace uh, nobody's gonna give me no nothing for it you know but i feel like i'm getting sparks of i suppose reality or a deeper reality or a sub reality um in a way I feel the real mission, I mean, that's super ambitious and, I, and I'm aware of it, but I think the real mission is to reveal, to reveal underneath the layers of reality more and more. And I think dance has the chance to do it because it, it comes from the most, both simple and sophisticated thing we have, which is the body. It's just, it's just the thing, it's just life. And we, you know, it happens from the source, you know, uh, really simple, really, inexplicable inexplicable um but yeah i feel yeah i feel that that's the that's the power of dance basically let's travel to a utopian world in which that ultimate mission has been accomplished sustainably constantly every time that someone dance or someone experience dance as an audience get not only that glimpse but the tangible 
that idea of reality? What will happen then? The paradox is that that form of existence, dance, will probably not be necessary anymore. <laughs> That's the, you know, um, yeah, I had a conversation with an artist once and he kind of said, you know, if we were not, if everything was good, if everything was in a flow, then I will not make art because what, there will be no function to me, you know. So I don't know. Or, I mean, you know, it, it's complicated because we are, you know, we then we have to think like, what's the point of our life? You know, what's the what's the mission? What's the target? So you know, um, maybe it will be just dancing for the sake of dancing. Maybe there will be no, you know, it will just be the exchange is the target, you know, and it might be that that's the case already now. I mean, that, that's just the, the the sharing of the these glimpses or the sharing of that reality of the deeper reality of the experience of life. Maybe that's the whole point of dance. I think in a way it is, um, but you know, in a utopian world, I don't know. It's a really, it's a really uh, complicated question. Um, yeah, like I think the way human beings are wired right now, um, we are aspiring for something very high that we are completely unable to achieve. You know, we are way too stupid, like way. Like we we just, we got something. I don't know, maybe we smoked too much or, you know, um, drank too much beer. We We, you know, we see something that we think is a great idea we sometimes experience it and then we think about it and we think that's great like let's go there and i think we have such a limited uh, ability and capacity to actually get there as as a community as individuals um that it's going to be fine for quite a while and that utopia is not arriving so don't worry <laughs> you know <laughs> that's that's you know it's it's such a fucked up world you know and we live in a very small bubble you know you and i where we can discuss you know contemporary dance and these deeper feelings and there are people that you know most of the people of the world are dealing with just hoping that they get some food and they're not cold and you know it, it, it's um we're pretty far from as a, as a community of human beings from um arriving to that utopia that that got a bit dark very quickly sorry yes it got a little bit dark but actually it's a reality it's a fact but i i was talking about this utopia because i fully agree with you i think dance like surfing it could be many other different uh experiences help us to grab that reality but i believe that it comes a moment that actually dance and any other experience that arrive or allow people to grab that reality claim their space as a tool for human evolution and development because it allows that and I don't know how far we are from that UPL but for sure the path it's paved with part of it dance I'm sure that microdosing might be another part of the path I'm sure that religion might be another part of it I'm sure that science might be another part of it I don't know I don't know but I'm sure that dance because it's a physical experience as you said is very tangible way to get there which actually gets me to a, a, a next point 
it is not amazing that actually as dancers, as creators, as choreographers, our experiments are extremely successful, meaning that many times we are able to replicate that experience. Each night is different and sometimes it's crap, but we are very successful at replicating that. So actually, if we would talk about a science experiment, we are very successful. So it's the time for us to start claiming that actually dance, I'm sure that many people are claiming it, but find replicable ways through the body to arrive to those states of consciousness that so often we get there for us to offer that to other people, either as an active participant by dancing or by witnessing. You were saying that some nights are great and some other nights. I totally agree. I experienced that. And you were saying also that when a dancer experienced that, somehow there is a transference of consciousness. I fully agree with that. And we could go into the neuroscience of it, neuro, mirror, uh, mirror neurons and all that stuff at another moment. But let me ask you something. If the performance, which I totally agree, depends on the performer and on the state of consciousness, if they arrive there, do you have a specific tools, a specific mechanisms, a specific training, which is actually what I'm after. That's the last 25 of my career, trying to create a methodology for performers to get there as often, as replicable, as sustainable as possible. Do you, as Hofe Sector or as Hofe Sector Company, implement any techniques, any training for those performers to be as close as possible, as many nights as possible there. It's something that just as a collateral way of training and touring just happen as often as possible. But is something specific that you do to get to that transference of consciousness? Um, it is a complicated answer because, um, again, it depends on many factors. The, the the first answer is yes. I mean, we are thriving to this. And I think the first step in achieving it is knowing that it's there and wanting it, working towards it. You know, there is, there is a real consciousness of working towards that pure experience. And I think that's why the answer is complicated because there is not there is not like a sentence there is not like a set of exercises that i could necessarily give a dancer in order to purify their you know uh, movement experience um but again there is the there is this direction and there is the um hope or the request to um to be simple and to be pure and in a way, not to try to achieve anything through the performance or gain anything through the performance, but be present in the energy that we are investing it in. So it is like an actor in a way. I mean, we speak about it with the dancers because we speak a lot about truth and true experiences. But, you know, actors are liars and maybe dancers are too. Like, that's a really harsh way to put it, but it's like, you know, I had a great day in Bilbao. Um, I went, I saw the city. Now I do a warm up and it's eight o'clock and I have to feel, you know, that and this. And it's like, but I don't feel it today. Like I had a great day or whatever. Maybe I have to be happy on stage and I can't, or I need to produce this positive energy. So there is a matter of learning how to manipulate energy inside yourself 
so it is not real but you, the the ambition is to purify it and find a way to connect to things that are real inside yourself and awaken them um so you know it's really complicated and also so so i'm saying generally i like very much dancers that um are not very busy with the outside actually and with how it looks but are very busy with how they feel and and are very connected to how they feel so there is something kind of fragile very human about it which i really love um the complexity around it is that i mean i'm very lucky you know i get to choose from many dancers so a lot of them come already to my company i mean i'm choosing the people that i feel have the capacity to do it um so do i you know then of course we work on it together you know and i'm very lucky to work with them um but i would say you know we improvise a lot we believe or i believe somewhere that inside the body there is an ocean of wisdom and information that can only be discovered through improvisation and that kind of flow that you can discover things you can discover words you can discover feelings and sensations through the improvisation um and there is something about being just really awake inside these sensations that um that means that you are able to plug into them that you kind of know where they exist um but like i said it's just really complicated it it is something that it i think it is in the forefront of the thinking of the of the dancers of their existence uh, that we are looking for something we are looking for that plug we are looking for that experience and i think my dancers dancers that work with me they are acutely aware that it depends on that the experience the audience is going to have depends on them and that it it is within their power it's, it's you know how generous they will be is how powerful the show will be there is no you know and sometimes people tell me ah you know your shows it's like it's great like music and sounds like whatever it can probably just work kind of like mechanically and it's so not true i mean something will work it might be entertaining but it's not the part that i feel people really enjoy watching i mean it can be entertaining but it's just not satisfying still it's not really interesting or it's not so I think my dancers, you know, they went through a lot, a lot of dancers, they worked with me for lots of years and they went through a lot of, you know, are we just soldiers? Are we, you know, is do, are we meaningful inside the work? You know, if I'm not here, someone else will do it. I think dancers deal with it a lot with their value inside the work. The truth is, I believe everyone that is in the company really has a place there. And I'm one that loves the explanation that it must be true because it is. That's the only truth. That's the only way that this could happen. They are in the company and the company is, you know, connecting with a lot of audience. Therefore, that's the only way. Uh, you could say there might be another way. I'll say, yeah, there might be, but there wasn't. That's the way that it happened. So, but I, I know that there are, you know, the dancers can go through these um, feelings, but the truth is, they really hold the work together and i'm in a way if i died today uh, we spoke about dying before but if i die today i think as long as these dancers are here 
the work will continue to have this effect. You know, I, I'm not, once the work is done in a way, I kind of gave it to them and it's, I'm not really required anymore. Um, Thank you again, because I, I love that explanation. And that's, that's the whole point of why I'm having these conversations with people like you or, or, or anyone. In the previous seasons, we had some dancers who were telling us their experience. And for me, it's also, I, we had some other choreographers as well who are directing, who are chopping the tomatoes to create those experiences. That's why for me, it's so good to have you because from my perspective, because I'm also a control freak, I created a series of exercises to get there. Talking in neuroscience, what are the actions that had uh, always the same or almost the same state of consciousness as a result? And I, I love the I love to hear other approaches like like yours, like the one that you explained right now, because it's it's just sharing and enriching the knowledge of how to get there because we are all aiming there. So let me ask you a question because it all depends on the dancers and they are very acute of, of that uh, need um, and also of the need uh, that the work has for the generosity. And I would love to speak at some point with a, with a dancer from your company, which we didn't have the chance, but what is the things that you've heard from the dancers of your company or the companies that you commission about their experience through your work in terms of that state of consciousness? Uh, I know it's going to be kind of like a, a second-hand testimony from them, but also I'm interested in the things that you remember that is important for you that dancers who has experienced your work have experienced. And what do you remember that touched you, that is in, in your memory, in your treasure? Ah, it's a tough one. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the idea of to try to big myself up through a testimony of what someone else has told me about. It could be the, the opposite. It could be, a, I, it was a nightmare <laughs> and, and you treasure that thought because it taught you something. I, I, I don't know what, what comments of that state of consciousness do you remember? The comment that comes to mind is, is about a, a strong... I won't even call it parallel, a strong sort of like um, merge between the energy and the body somehow, between the ideas or between the kind of sensation or the character and the body and what happened to them there. Um, you know, I see a lot of dancers, especially in, I mean, also in my company, but when I'm commissioned to work with other companies, I see a lot of, again, I'm blessed with dancers being very motivated, but I see a lot of dancers really struggling with the amount of information, with the amount of, you know, the counts, the movements, the, you know, the, the speed of things. Um, and it, it can be quite a, a tragic experience as well, because if you're just busy, uh, trying to get the mathematics of it together and, you know, the, you know, remember what movement comes next and that you're just unable to enjoy it. You're unable to, so, you know, I saw that as well. Um, you know, and it's such a shame because part of the feel of the work is that it's, it's, you know, there is an overload, but once you are, you know, you're like a, a karate master, once you are, kind of like in the flow of this overload, you disappear inside it. So, you know, it's, um, 
but I think it's mostly about dancers, you know, where I felt that I was moved about the experience of the dancers is that they achieve some sort of state of flow, again, for lack of better word, uh, that they, um, in a way that they are just like, also because the work can have a lot of people and a lot of people around you that you depend on um, and that, you know, you're not completely in control of. Mm -hmm. It's something that can be scary, but it's something you can uh, take a lot of power from. Um, that for sure is something I hear a lot of groups of dancers that say that they really enjoy um, working together. Many times it brings groups together, which I really like. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that that's that's already very useful, and 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 it's great to hear what you get. And and I understand this idea of of the group of the community. It's very powerful to do a unison with another twenty dancers or fifteen or whatever it is with the rhythm of the music. And once again, we go back to the repetition and the groove, which is one of the of the many tools that you use. But I would like to go back to your experience because we were talking about the, the dancers' experience. But when you were surfing, it was tough. It was frustrating. It was hard work. But the overall experience was something that hooked you, something that you felt in those moments that you were with the, um, with the salt and with the, with the wave and you were riding the wave. But the whole experience was not only compressed by the really nice moments. It's, it's the whole of it. It's the, the fight and the succeed. So in your work uh, as a hobby sector, do you still experience something similar like the 10 days that you experience surfing? Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, uh, my life, like every life has uh, just a lot of challenges. And in a way, you know, um, you could say, you know, it's all a game. Life is a game. So... But you could say, you know, uh, my work became more successful and there was a moment that I was feeling, oh my God, I, I have to perform, I have to deliver, I have to blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's all a game. And when I say a game, it's also a game of the mind. It's also like nobody cares. It's all in my mind. It's like I can think that people expect stuff. They don't expect nothing. They eat their dinner. They go to sleep. They come and see a show. They had a good time. They'll talk about it with friends. They didn't, they'll bitch about it in a drinks party. You know, it's like that idea that it really matters. I mean, it really matters and it can be really powerful, but also not. So I'm just putting the idea of difficulties and, you know, it being difficult in context that I think is very personal. I, I really realized that, you know, my life is challenging. You know, I go to rehearsal, I come back, I have this with you. I will have interviews. I have to sit in front of an audience suddenly after a show and chat with them. You know, there are things that can be, I have to go for a meeting in an opera house to tell them about the new work before I make it. You know, I have to find co-commissioners, money. We have money. We don't have money. Oh my God, la, la, la. There are, you know, angles and aspects to the job that, you know, you people can't believe. It's like there is so much shit going on. Um, and it can be really challenging. And what I'm trying to say is it's not really about what's happening outside. I can have periods where I go through it like I enjoy it. And I also enjoy the, it's like a chess game. You know, it's like I enjoy the kind of like, oh, if I move this here, that happens. And if I, you know, 
I'm a choreographer. I trial and error. I try and I see what happens. Try to uh, remain uh, true to my values as honest as I can, and then walk inside the world. You know, um, and there are periods where I feel it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. And the same happens in creation. Creation when I make new work, everything is in a way exaggerated and elevated. So it's like I can either feel like in an amazing flow. I feel like. It's all just happening. I mean, it's always hard. And yeah, the water and the sea, right? But I'm like, oh, every day something new comes in the studio. And then we have like a really bad moment. And then something opens up. And then I think, oh, my God, that's horrible. It's so uninteresting. And, da, da, da. and then it's like, oh, it's fascinating. And, that you know, that happens a lot. But generally, you know, there can be like a general kind of feel that, I mean, a flow. Or it can be really just like a struggle. And... What I'm trying to say is that I became more and more aware that whether it's in a floor, in a struggle, it's not really about the outside world. It's really more about how I organize myself or how I prepare myself. And I don't mean prepare like in the sense of like I have like notes and I know what I'm going to do, but prepared in a way that it's fucking out of control. And you better just look at what you have, work with what you have, and find a way to enjoy it because you know like you said the only one thing i will achieve in my life for sure is to die so you, you know i so the question of like difficulty and flow i i find it really fascinating in my life and it's you know as a personal thing is one of the challenges and i want to believe that all the big challenges are fake you know it's like, or I, I make it like really difficult in my head and maybe I have my own demons and things that I really am afraid of, but it's all, it's about how I think about it, you know, um, and we can go, you know, I'm also, I, I'm conditioned, right? Like making a show is a very exposing thing. And one of the worst things any of us can think of is to be outcast from society and get eaten by the wolf. I mean, I don't want to get eaten by the wolf, right? So the humiliation of doing something in front of public and that everybody will go, you know, that kind of like very deep place of like, I'm going to get eaten by the wolf. I'm not, nobody's going to pay me. They're going to throw me, la, 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 and I'm going to die. It's a very embedded thing and it's connected to kind of like the shame and the you know the whole thing that is connected what we do is very exposing you know when someone works in an office and they you know they maybe did a bad job on an email their boss is going to tell them off you know difficult scary but it's not like you know sixty thousand people so it's like you know you could say there is a realistic um kind of view on this that that is it's a dangerous job you know um but even that construct is made up you know that or that feeling and you know so i don't know find it fascinating and of course during the years i had to um kind of like battle and and wriggle and find ways to feel free when i'm creating and really the only way that i found is to remain positive about it in the way that I create for the people that want to see the work. I don't create for those that don't want to see the work. Those that don't want to see the work are not going to come. 
great. Those that come want to have an experience and I create for them, with them. And then there is a sense of something quite, even if it's difficult, there is a sense of something positive about this sharing. Um, it's like people, they want it to be good. They want it, they want to have a powerful experience, you know? Um, so, yeah. I have to confess that sounds like a very mature and very healthy approach because in dance, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that in the sports is the same and in many different uh, scenarios, that self-esteem, that fear of being eaten by the wolf, it's something very common, being the outcast. And, and, and it's in a spiral that we get really, use, uh, really easily into. Oh, I am late for my breakfast, therefore I'm going to be late for work and therefore my boss is going to tell me off and therefore he's going to kick me out. I'm going to end up living under a bridge and I'm going to die alone and poor. And that's just because you are late for breakfast. When did you arrive to that sentence of it's just a game? It's just a construction. It's, it's something that came with maturity and you are 47 right now, or it's something that you were born with that and you've been living through that ethos and philosophy all your life because it sounds very, very healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, my dad, uh, I want to say gave me, forced me, I don't know how to put it, to read a lot of Eastern... Um, philosophy when I was young. So I think when, when I was uh, kind of 14 or 15, I discovered uh, that uh, dude that is called Krishnamurti. Krishnamurti was kind of, uh, maybe you, you know of him, um, I don't remember his first name, but he was, I don't know, some kind of a guru. He was a very kind of like West, he was uh, from India, but he was very Westernized at a certain point. And started to teach all around the world and and his idea was that uh, we live in a world of definitions and that we cannot uh, what i what i told you before basically i'm just repeating you know but uh, that we that the fact that we are defining everything stops us from you know we define the tree so much that we can't see it that's kind of like an i kept on reading these these kind of things so but you know it's easy to say it um, and, you know, I think I went through my 20s and 30s uh, suffering quite, quite badly from feeling that it really, it's really important. And it is really important. You know, it's just, it's just, um, it's important to me at a certain point. And I don't know, I think I used it always also as a very sarcastic thing when I created and I got into like this really, I suppose it's my inner sense of humor or something. I will get into really sticky places when I create. And then I'll be like, it's just dance. It's like contemporary dance. Like literally nobody cares. We are like, you know, that small inside that world. And humanity is that small inside that world and inside the universe. I mean, like there are way more billions of ants and spiders and birds and like, what about their meaningful life? You know, do they sit and meditate and think, oh, we are really changing consciousness? I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it's like, and I'm working on a dance piece that, you know, without being too judgmental or not with being judgmental is being presented mostly to middle class, mostly to white people, 
you know, not a very diverse uh, audience, not a very diverse reality, not very open. I'm like, um, you know, uh, so this is uh, maybe another conversation where contemporary dance has a lot of work to do there because the critics, the audience, the theaters, you know, it's very limited and it's not that inviting for everybody. Um, but, you know, realizing that I operate inside this thing that is basically the ugly sister of classical ballet, which is, you know, our new king. And that's what he represents. And then there is classical ballet and we're kind of like the ugly sister that is trying to do something creative and interesting. And in a way, humiliating myself in that way helped me to be like, you know what, if this is what it is, then I can do whatever I want. I can just, you know, I just walk into the studio and I work with dancers. Just, just go, just do what you want. Say what you want to say because who cares? So it's kind of, it was a way to liberate myself that is maybe not completely healthy. I mean, it was just a way to balance the anxiety. Um, but it's also true. I mean, it's as true as anything else. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and it helps. It just helps, exactly. In the end of the day, I just want to enjoy and flow when I make the work. So in a way, again, maybe a long conversation for another day is about the creative process. But the only thing that matters is not to stop. Stopping is the worst thing. And there are a lot of voices that try to make you stop all the time. So, you know, most of the mental work that I feel as a choreographer that I do, that is kind of like the side job because you're just trying to create something. But most of the mental work is to just find a way to just continue and just not listen to all the voices, all the, you know, all these energies and emotions that try to make you stop. Um, yeah. I think the author that you were mentioning before, it was Jidu Krishnamurti. We will put that in the, in the episode notes. And this actually answers a question that, uh, in this third season, we are trying to open this podcast also for our audience and they can send us questions. And we had someone from uh, a question from someone called Michael that he was saying, when you start working with a world-class dance companies, how did you work on your, how did you work on your confidence not to feel intimidated? And I think you answered that pretty well with that. When you started working with world-class dance companies, how did you work on your confidence not to feel intimidated? And I think you answer through that mental process of thinking this is the most important thing, but at the same time, it's not very important. Yeah. And in the end of the day as well, that idea of like world-class companies, I mean, it's people. It, it, <laughs> the definition can be really scary, but it's just people. And you just have to walk into the room and assess what's going on and try to connect with these people. And if they don't want to connect, then anyway, there is no chance. So just don't worry about it. And if they want to connect, then you find a way. Um, but you know, confidence is an interesting question. Or the, I think, I think being busy with being confident is already quite a bad place to be. Um, if you are busy with trying to find confidence it's because obviously you are lacking it's obviously you you're feeling you know i think operating in a place where you're just not worried about whether you're confident or not you just deal with the thing that matters to you 
one can say you need confidence for that but i don't think so i think you just need to focus on the thing you want to do maybe you look ugly when you do it maybe you are like you know it doesn't matter it's like makes me think about uh, rafael nadal the tennis player mm -hmm. i mean he's really not busy with how he looks and sometimes he doesn't look great you know but he's just is it confidence is it not i don't know he speaks about confidence as well but i don't think it's exactly what he means it's you know i think it's finding that spark of belief that that i believe in um but you know he's just busy with a job at hand which is to focus himself and to be connected and you know and shut off all the noise you know what we spoke before um so when people speak about confidence i think it's it's quite a, it's a great question it's very interesting it's very scary to go into like big companies and so on but it's a bit of a trap like you just have to not worry about confidence you have to worry about the content about what what do you actually want to do and if you know what you want to do then do it if it works great if not like well you, you tried you know um so but yeah dangerous world um and I, actually that sounds great on paper but i'm thinking right now of what you just said it's scary to be in in your position our position that we make work you know you have the judgment of sixty thousand people uh so i would like to know how you deal with both ends of the spectrum because i'm sure that you in your years of experience you've experienced both uh, i'm talking about professionally lots of people saying that oh i'm very disappointed in this performance because hofes didn't do the job it's it's not what i was expecting uh, the previous one was so much better and the other end of the spectrum that this is the most amazing word that i've ever seen and you are the most amazing artist ever born i'm sure that you've experienced both probably being you because being us probably we hear more the praises than the than the um, other end of the spectrum but i'm sure that you're aware that they both exist how do you deal with them you know the good thing about doing you do it for enough time and exactly what you said you understand that you know and we know it but understanding it through experience is really was really useful for me for every person that will come and tell me oh that moment was incredible i'm so happy you put it on stage literally after a show you know like it was so oh i was just like oh my god blah blah and then in the same kind of drinks party you go somewhere else and you will have the person that decided to tell you really what they think and not hold back and they're like i just don't understand the decision you know that moment you put that thing on stage it, it felt tacky it felt too simple it was cheap you know and i'm like i mean and sometimes it's really a present because when you hear two people speaking about the same thing but the, in the same evening in the same show about the same part one of them was in catharsis seeing it one of them just hated it and it's such a present because you're just there and you're thinking what is the truth i mean i'm like uh I, I don't know how can I learn from that I can't really learn I mean I first of all I trust no one so that's just like I'm lucky like that you know maybe very unlucky emotionally but uh, I'm like you know people say things to also from 
you know, they try to validate their own world, basically. So, you know, everybody's sitting there watching stuff. And if they were in their thinking mind, they were just trying to validate themselves. That's basically what's happening. And uh, they find ways, you know, and they can love the work, hate it. But it's just a tool in their life to feel better, maybe. Um, so I trust nobody. But this is a real present understanding. You have so many perspectives. There is no truth about this work, you know. The only thing that I can, uh, the only place I can get to is be at peace with myself. If I arrived there, great. If I didn't, even if someone came to me after the show and was like, oh my God, that was amazing. I'll be, I also don't believe them because I don't feel it because I won't feel at peace with myself with the decisions I've made. So I, I don't know, I did it for, <laughs> for quite a long time now. And I just feel like, yeah, the, the only person I really live with all the time is me. The only the only mind I'm kind of hearing is me. And of course, it's like the more sometimes I feel it's like the more you become, you know, I have a company and my name in a way became like a sort of like a brand. It's like the Hoffish thing is like a statue in a public square. A pigeon can land on it and have a little wee. You know, a drunk is passing and having a, a, a peace and like whatever. It's like, you know, people can spit on it. People can be like, oh, look what a nice touch. But it's like this kind of public thing. And people are just, maybe they forget that there is a person behind it. And they can just kind of like, they just go like, yeah, it's this, it's that. It's in the public domain. And I understand that. And I kind of like, I, I suppose I'm trying to see it in perspective. Um, it's only ever really painful if I don't enjoy the work itself. And then I feel like, you know what? I didn't really want to put it out there. And I kind of agree. Like, that was shit. So I don't know. That That's really difficult. If you feel like you put something that is not really together, not really accomplished, not really powerful, not really honest or anything like this, this is the really difficult stuff. But, you know, otherwise, you know, we performed a double murder at Sadler's Wells. Um, it was right after, or kind of COVID started to open up. And then we performed it last year in October. And it was really weird not being in a way in any public spaces for so long. And feeling again, that power of like, you know, the wolf is gonna eat me and here's my work again. And I always, before premieres, I have these dreams at night. I dream that I'm naked. And I'm running around and I'm just trying to find a place to hide. You know, it's you don't need to be a shrink to understand that, right? It's like I feel so exposed and I just want to find a place. You know, it's so scary. And I made a decision, you know, a very strict one. Uh, we had the run at Sadler's Wells. And I was like, you know what? I really did my best. I put this show together with all my heart, with all good intention. Um, I really don't want to know what people think about it in the way of like critics and people that write on the internet and stuff like that. I'm like, I want to be in the room. I want to see the show. I want to see the audience, get the sense of what they, you know, how they respond to it and go home. Like, I'm good. Like, that is the reality. That is one reality. 
I don't need to understand all the sub-realities and like, you know, what, uh, you know, this critic thought about it, that critic. It's great that they're there and it's, you know, their job is to kind of like tell other people what they think about it and whether it will suit them or not. Great. But it's not necessarily uh, useful for me. Um, and it was an amazing week. It was the first time in my life that I sort of experienced the premiere a little bit like it happened in a village a thousand years ago. It was just like we made a show and we performed it to the village, to all the villagers, and they came and they celebrated with us. Maybe not everybody, I mean, surely not everybody liked it. I'm like, but that's obvious. But we sort of, we did this event and, you know, we celebrated around the fire and, and laughed and cried and went back home. And that's it. And it, there was something so um, liberating about it. You know, and it's not out of disrespect to critics. It was just, it's just the way I wanted to experience it in the room. You know, uh, people come to me the second day. Oh, did you see we had a review here? And then I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I really don't need to know. Like, I just don't need to. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I don't know. It can sound like, you know, I've been burnt by it or something. I I wasn't really burnt, and I saw and spoke with choreographers that are really feeling strongly about critics. And you know, I I I don't feel this. Um, I don't know. Um, but I feel that I do need to protect my kind of creative space and the kind of values of what I think I'm doing. And I think the, the the kind of media world and everything, it makes it very, very difficult to handle. Um, and you don't need to participate. You don't need to go on like Instagram or Twitter or whatever, Facebook and, and check what's going on. I mean, nothing is going on there. Absolutely nothing. Everything is going on in life, you know? I think anyway, it, I, I, I feel like I'm lecturing now to myself. No, I, I, think, it's, I think it's great to hear different perspectives. I think it's very, very valuable to hear you saying in this articulated way, because I'm sure there's many dance students, uh, young athletes, uh, choreographers, less and more mature who are going through the similar situations of dreaming that they are running naked the night before the premiere, or they are going to be eaten by the wolf. But hearing you, your perspective, your tools at the end of the day, that it's a, it's not only about you, which is what I really like about your answer. It's not about being at peace with yourself, which is important, but it's about the experience with your community, the village, which is the dancers and the audience. And the rest is accessory. It happens, it's important, but it's accessory for your experience. So it comes to me two questions uh, uh, leading from that. The first one is... Can you tell us about a moment that you have not been at peace with yourself with the decision that you made? And what really, really interests me is how you got over it, how how you made peace with yourself after doing something that didn't allow you to be at peace with yourself. And the second question that we can go back later is you are definitely in a place that is very exposing. You have lots of privileges as well, but there, there, is, there is a lot of fear, anxiety, pressure, uh, frustration, etc., etc., etc. What care do you need and what care do you receive either from you, either from the people around you? And I would like to go a tiny bit more personal, not 
yes, I have a great producer that I'm, I, I'm sure you, you have. You, I know that you have, and you have a great technician and things like that. But as a human being, as, as, as when, when the light goes off, what is the care that you need and the care that you receive? Let's start with the first one. That Can you tell us a, a moment that you haven't been at peace with yourself and how you made peace with yourself afterwards? I, I suppose... This connects me to a question about what we call a writer's block. So the question whether you can arrive to a place creatively where you feel you have nothing, you know, you can, you, you don't feel creative, which it's hard to say if I was really in that place, but I feel, okay, re-entry re into that answer. I think essentially my work is a sort of a parameter of where I am. In a way, I may be lucky that I decided that that's how I'm going to make work. The work in a way is about me, or it's about my perspective of how I see the world. I'm not trying to, um, in a way, hide behind. Like it's not, it is for everybody, but it's my work. I'm also not going to lie about it. It's my perspective. And I, and I look at the world around me and I say, nah, that's that's how I experience it. And then I go into it and it flows and becomes a work. Um, it's kind of like activating all the senses and seeing what is there inside and around me and making work about it somehow or using it to make work. And I say I'm lucky in that way because sometimes I can feel really stuck or I can feel that I think there was a moment that I felt not really inspired. I kind of felt like, I don't know if I'm interested, you know, and that's a scary place to be in. And in a way, because the work has this self-analytical um, tendency, the work became about that in a way. The, the work became about analyzing my kind of disability or my I don't know how to put it my uh, problem you know and you know some of my works appear to have a very public um, subjects in them you know that appeal to public in a, you know that they deal with community question you know with how we organize ourselves with power with individual individuality and so on and some of my work are like super personal they're just like just about me um and yeah so there were I, I think in a way that's how i deal with it i just self-analyze uh you know inside the work um but yeah i've made work as well that i felt it arrived to stage it arrived in front of an audience and i didn't feel um completely connected to it i felt that for whatever reason there was i was trying maybe to do something i was trying for it to be in a certain way but it wasn't really honest not from a bad place not like it was a lie but it's like you can get carried away and think like oh i'm gonna try to do something that looks like that that feels like that and then you're like that wasn't really me it wasn't really might be great and the audience might enjoy it but i i don't really believe it you know, um, and you know, the the advice I give to sometimes to young choreographers that are really worried about whether the work will be great or not. Um, and I don't know if it's true, 
but I say it anyway because I think somewhere it is. If your work is like fucking great, people are gonna talk about it and they're gonna tell their friends and da da da. And there's gonna be a momentum. If the work is horrible, they're just not gonna talk about it. I mean, they might talk about it for one minute, but it's just gonna disappear. It's not like you know. Um, something that doesn't have an impact is just not going to have an impact and it's fine then you can try again once you will make work that had an impact it will remain um if it's like bad it's like whatever it's people will be like okay that wasn't great moving on i don't know if it's like a defense mechanism uh, but i believe somewhere it's true you know we we unless it was so bad that it was good, you know, that people just like go like, oh my God, that was like shocking. And then people are talking about it. I really think that a work that moves people, um, if it works and it moves people, then they deal with it. And if not, they just brush over it. Um, so, but I wanted to say something, uh, what was it? And just to come back to something before, um, because, you know, I speak about this thing of like not reading reviews and and I'm aware that some people will say, well, you don't need to read reviews now because it's like, you know, my work is happening and it's kind of maybe it won't be true forever, but it's like my work is happening now. It has a momentum. I, get, I can get a bad review. I mean, it happens, of course. And, you know, the work still happens. Um, so people might say, you know, not fair. When you are a young choreographer, the reviews are life or death. Um, I still think you reading them is not helping. I still think you, you know, searching for them is not helping. You searching for that communal experience, the way that you define it, which I really love, you know, you searching to create a movement together with your audience and have that communal experience, this ancient feeling of sharing something, just be busy with that. And then, you know, the reviews will, they will be what they will be. You, you don't control it. That's the waves, you know? I think I have to disagree with the idea of just making, just being busy with making good work. It would be enough to make a good impact if the piece is good. It's actually nowadays, uh, and mainly in the contemporary dance world, I mean, mainly not, I guess in all the art work, there is much more at work than only the quality of the piece. It's the politics of the support, it's the, the trends of the moment, it's uh, how well you are connected, uh, what is the, the team around you that can make the, the move. So actually... What I experience, and I would like to to hear if if you've seen not in in your case, but if you've seen people around you experiencing the same, or you still truly believe that making quality work it's enough to make an impact and to be able to continue being able to make work, which at the end of the day is what we all want, or you still believe that there is only a minimum part a minimal part that plays the quality of your work. And what is around it, it's much more important. When I say quality work, I mean a work that has that connects to its audience and has a powerful impact. But I but I have my opinions, right? So there is a cultural context when you know when someone when my neighbor says quality work, they're thinking something else. 
when the Arts Council of England say quality work, they think something. I'm, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. There is a matter of uh, luck as well, if to call it this, or I don't know, maybe some people are playing into the politics of the, of the thing. I still think that if you play into the politics, it will be very difficult to align it with honesty. Like, so you need a bit of luck, you, you know. Um, and back to my work and luck. Um, so political mother was kind of like, you know, I had a lot of first works and then they said, oh, that's your second work. That's really where everybody, but political mother was really the moment that, you know, there was uprising in your rooms and then political mother was the first full evening and it kind of exploded out there, right? I, you know, I enjoyed making this work. It was a real roller coaster. I, there was an honesty there. I think the luck element there is that the middle class, middle-aged audience of uh, in England, yeah, saw it, and I won't say what political mother is, but they saw it as a political statement that aligned with the, that aligned and validated their vision of the world that fitted them in the sense that I'm Israeli and I made that comment. Um, and that might be, in England, that might be a big part of the success of it because they are the ones, including the Arts Council, that say, yes, you know? Um, and, you know, and I say, I say it, it's kind of like devil's advocate because I tell people, you know, maybe, and people tell me, no, but I love this work. It's great. I'm saying not connected. Like it just saw that happen, that it aligned with something there at that moment in time that gave a very big thumbs up from the system to a work that I thought is very anti-system. So I was like, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a kind of like a fuck you work. Uh, it's noisy it's like it just doesn't make sense but for the reason that i stated that is, is a theory you know that there was something that was lucky there in the political uh, climate that that helped it um with sun that was um a highly critical work about the colonialistic system Possibly, maybe, you know, less flowing work, maybe not, I don't know, you know, um, still really interesting and really powerful work that did not go down very well, because, it, it, well, back then, I mean, who knows, <laughs> you know, but um, so there is a matter of um, luck of, you know, whether it aligns with the, and validates the view of the world of the people that are holding the keys to the gates. Um, this becomes I, a very, the, but, but like, like it just becomes a very complicated thought, and you just don't want to be busy with it as a as a choreographer. You just you just have to go like, well, you know, I'm either it's either going to be lucky or not, but I have to make the work that I want to make, and in that sense, um, you know, you you just have to do what you believe in, and then you know what will be will be. Um, that 
you know, that I have to sometimes go to dinners and speak with people in order to, you know, tell them about uh, the work or about myself and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like, it is part of, you know, getting support for the work, but I'm not great at it, actually. I, I don't love it. You know, my uh, theory, kind of like with my producer as well, with people that come and support us, I'm like, if they like the work and believe in it, they're welcome to support it. After that, you know, I, I don't know what else to give them because that's what we're doing, you know. Um, but I recognize the complexity of the political uh, climate and, and environment and how that can be so um, meaningful in someone getting support or not getting support, getting funding or not getting funding. Um, and it's very frustrating because maybe as a choreographer, you can feel maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe the audience is not interested. Maybe and maybe and maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's the solution there. I, again, I think the only thing a choreographer can concentrate on is making work, communicating it to fellow human beings and sharing it with them. And then that's it, you know? And I agree with you that as an artist, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a choreographer and a sculptor, a painter, if you make a work trying to please the curator, the producer, uh, you're failing yourself as an artist, therefore you're failing your audience. I totally agree that the, 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 the ultimate purpose as an artist is to be fa uh, faithful to, to the, the impact of your work that you want to do. I just wanted to acknowledge the other complexities that sometimes that is not enough and Many times it seems that it's the less important where it comes from, but if it please and it aligns and just wanted to acknowledge that situation, even more in a moment that the the world is cutting the funding for the arts and we probably we will see less and less, uh, oh, that's what, I, what I'm feeling, I don't know what your experience and that probably a conversation for another day, but probably we will see less and less big companies, middle scale, big companies touring the world because of uh, how it goes for the next five to 10 years and then who knows, <laughs> we'll never know. But uh, it's, it's a very complex moment for people who are making work, starting or continuing and as you said, for, for now you get the momentum and I hope that you will get the momentum for a really long time because I after after this conversation even more, I know that you have a, a lot to offer. But the situation is really complex uh, for all those situations. Just wanted to acknowledge that. And beside that, and probably just to end, uh, because this is a long time and I know that I'm squeezing all the answers from you and, and you've been very, very generous. Just wanted to, to go back to the question because I think it's important. Uh, you are someone who I got throughout the years that you, you do care. You, you take the time to have this conversation, which is not going to give you any funding, any uh, broadcast to your company, but you care about what having those conversations. You care about, uh, I've, I've seen many interviews the last few days and you always uh, take them with, um, with a really nice smile and, and you're very approachable, but also you care about diversity and you care about uh, making communities together. And I remember the Derby project that you did uh, many years ago that was really powerful. Um, so I know that you care. So what is the care that you need and what is the support that you are receiving uh, as a human for being able to continue doing the work that you do? I think um, I have a very, well, 
my my partner will hear me now she'll be like not but i want to say i have a very simple life in a way in a way i think actually a lot of my life is happening uh, i don't know i it depends on the period as well because you know there are periods where i'm so busy and i'm traveling around the world but most of my life is connected to my family my girlfriend my kids you know um these are very humbling things and things that bring me that keeps you down to earth you know um there were moments in my career that I was racing 200 miles per hour, not stopping, working, working, working. And it was very difficult. And it was very, I felt that somewhere it was, it was difficult to remain connected to the really simple things. You know, in the end of the day, all you want to do is ride the wave. It's just really simple. So if you, you know, if you, it, it was all from a very, um, you know, it was from a good place. Like I was, I was, kind of chasing the the work and creativity i was really enjoying this but um there was no place to breathe and i the more time is passing the more i'm really aware that i need time to just breathe now it's very hard to explain this to a producer for example when when is the moment that you create work i mean of course i'm in the studio working with the dancers but there's a lot that is happening before, like in your spirit and in your head and in your notebook and and just, you know, so what an artist does, sits under a tree and, you know, looks at the world and it looks, it can come across very lazy, you know, to a company that works really hard and we, you know, we all work really hard, we're really busy. So, but I try to also allow myself and explain to the people around me that I need sometimes to just sit under the tree. It looks really bad on paper, you know, but I really just need it. And I need to take the walk, you know, and I need to make sure that on Sundays I have a moment to take the walk with my kids, you know, that I have this kind of, um, I don't know, just a simple flow inside my life. Also is a perspective to that busy um public kind of uh, life that is fake you know i mean it's not fake but it's it's out there it's not really me like my life like i said is mostly here with myself um so more and more i think i created a reality for myself where i get support it's mostly from my partner uh, from family around me um yeah, that kind of that kind of just things that keep me kind of like down to earth and not taking too seriously, you know. Yeah, I can be in conversation, you know, like restaging with the Paris Opera Ballet. We had it this year and it's, it's a big thing. And, you know, it's a big organization. It was great. It came together really amazing. But man, the the journey was a journey, <laughs> you know. It was like... You get into problems, you get into, you know, the technical crew was amazing, but still you get into serious problems that seem like, you know, the end of the world is coming. And it's nice to have someone next to you to just be like, it's just dance, right? Like, just breathe. And you're like, yeah, I mean, on Sunday, we're going to be taking a walk and none of this will matter. You know, so it's just, yeah, keeping kind of like perspective. Um, I do think breathing time is really important. And I think 
to try to explain the world that creation needs time and it happens not it happens sometimes inside you you know and not just in the studio it's not that you give a, a choreographer like four weeks in the studio and you're like what do you mean four weeks is what it takes to make work it's not it needs to cook you need a moment to think to feel to experience to change your mind you know it just takes time time is kind of like a really precious thing and in total truth are you disciplined with that taking your time are you able to put your limits and not to suck not to be sucked into that busyness of going or you are able to put that limits like i need my time to go and walk in the park um i know myself that i'm not so disciplined so in order to make sure it happens i mean the I need to control my diary. I just need to go like, you know, blocked. And once that happens, then it happens. Uh, if it's not blocked and it's sort of vague, oh, can you come for a meeting? Oh, there is an interview. Oh, there is this, there is this, there is this. And um, suddenly the day is gone, you know. Um, so I, I learned how to um, not tempt myself or make sure that, you know, I block things. Um, But yeah, again, like my, my girlfriend will say probably that I'm not disciplined enough, uh, you know, that sometimes I work too much, but I also, I, I think I'm quite in a good place now. Um, it's also really hard to say no, you know, to like, there is projects and you want to do them all and that, that, that. And sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, no, not, not the right moment, not the right project. Um, Again, you know, you're thinking, oh, but what about the wolf? You know, I don't want to be eaten. I have to continue to work. I don't want people to forget, you know, it's like you you have to find a balance here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I for now, but you're catching me in the end of the holiday. I mean, talk with me like four months in ago. Three months when ago. I was, I, exactly. I was like in the middle of like chaos and stuff. So yeah. I'm, Everything I'm, is good under the sun and riding the wave. Exactly. <laughs> like the poet said, it's easy to be enlightened on a mountain when you see it and just there. But when you're back in the city, uh, talk to me in uh, you know three months when I'm on tour. I give you a call in four or five months just to say, hey, man, are you still disciplined with your time? Yeah, fucking hell, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I want to see that interview, like all these philosophical bullshit about <laughs> I'll put it in my diary. I'll send it to you the 12th of January. Yeah, just to send me a link. I'll <laughs> yes, be like, exactly. oh, so good to hear it. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. I don't have any other question but the last one, which is something that I is my favorite question to many of my guests, which is, is there any question that you would like to be asked? Ooh. Ah. Um, but are you gonna ask me that question? I don't know. It depends oh, on what the question okay. is. Because I'm not sure I want to answer. I don't know. I don't know exactly. That's a good point. You can tell me the question and then we said, I would like to be asked that, but I don't want to answer that. Mm. So actually, yeah, let's focus on the question that you would like to be asked. I don't know. The only, I, there is a question that is connected to God actually that floats around my head and i don't know when i say god i don't know exactly what i mean and because we spoke about flow we spoke about being connected with everything 
And I think for a lot of people, God is the way to explain this. Um, but we're afraid to say this word because of the strong association with religion, which, you know, I'm not religious, um, but I'm coming from a country that, it, that it has a lot of religion in it. You know, every country has a lot of religion in it. Um, I don't know. There is something... There's something there, but maybe God is not the, the right word. Um, I think there's the we spoke a little bit about confidence, and I think the, the a real uh, issue or subject that I find fascinating is belief and the connection between belief and what's happening in 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 your life in the world around you. Um, and I'm not going to be one of these people that say, if you believe it's going to happen, uh, it's not what I'm saying. I just, I just think uh, there is a really interesting game going on inside that is connected to belief, which might be a complete um, superstitious as well. I think that's why, you know, like successful people that go on like interviews and say, you know, you know, if you believe you're going to make it, I don't think so. But I think the idea of belief is, a, is something that makes you keep on going forward and just keep on being active in life is really interesting, um, regardless, again, of the consequences. Um, there is a question there somewhere, uh, but, but I don't know what it is. That's... May I have it a go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, have a go. So the question would be, I'm not interested in knowing what you understand by the word God, because as you said, that has many meanings and it's been very abused in many different contexts and through the history. But I'm interested in what do you believe it is? But the, the real question is when you have experienced God. Mm -hmm. You know, if I answer, then it's like I admit that I think there is a God. So are we are we talking about God as a of your understanding of? So the context is my understanding of God is is nature, is is um, is the is the kind of the spark of life and nature that is everywhere, is inside everything. Okay, so I call it a more that's not scientific, but a more I don't know kind of modern approach you know uh, the, the the spark that is inside everything that was passed on from the first spark of life and into us and everyone else that is breathing um and and i do think there is uh, it's hard to say um i think about myself as a child now actually you know for whatever reason, and that there was some kind of experience there that um, felt powerful. But um, I think that somewhere in the abstractness of dance performances and that kind of communal experience, very ancient kind of ceremony of gathering together is probably a place where I feel it a lot. And, and that's why I'm attracted to it. You know, because it's 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 um, that revealing that we spoke about before. In a way, it's the revealing of the spark, which we will never understand. I like I'm I'm just 
don't know if I'm comfortable, but I just came into terms with the idea that I will never understand it. You know, God, nature, spark, life, you know, it's like, but but when I get a, a flash of the power of it, you know, through these communal experiences, I think it's uh, it's as close to feeling really alive as I can feel. Um, and it's probably what keeps me going back there you know um, yeah. I think it's a great place to end although I feel that I fail at asking the questions that you wanted to be asked no not at all there, there is no there is no question and I and I don't know it's um, you know I feel like we spoke about a lot of very philosoph philosophical things and I and my worry is always that you know, we can speak very highly about philosophical things. And my worry is that they, they, it fails in the level of the, the experience inside life. Um, again, like I said, we, and maybe me, maybe I was talking about myself, I aspire to things that I'm way too stupid, perhaps to actually completely achieve an experience. But at least I aspire to them, you know, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, that's my my concern is that you know we can speak really about what we believe, but where life exists, where dance happens, dance is the reality of it, you know, in life. Um, yeah, it's in a way, but but you know, it's nice to have a utopic kind of conversation and to and to to know what we're aiming for. You know? I'm going to share an image that is coming to me because it's coming very strongly. I, I can imagine a very, very small man at some point saw the, the vast sea in front of it and said, I am not able to cross it, but I am going to try and discover another continent. And another small man saw a moon up there and said, I'm very small to jump in there, but we made it possible. So maybe we are too stupid and too small to approach that spark of life, but by trying... Yeah, yeah. Uh maybe i would like to think so mr hoffes sector thank you so much for this wonderful conversation lots of yeah, thank thoughts you so much. and i think it's pragmatic enough uh, very philosophical and and out there stuff but i think it's very pragmatic in the way that you articulated your thoughts and the way that we can talk about consciousness through dance and i'm for, for that i'm forever grateful for your time your kindness and your answers hoffes thank you Good and pleasure, man. By the way, I went only through half of the questions that I had for you. So another conversation should happen maybe in the future when you come yeah, back from holidays In a couple again. of years, let's do it again. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, I wish you all the best riding the waves. All right. Bye, Jorge. Take care. You too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new section of this podcast called Towards Avencia to Take Away where I'm going to take you through the best bits of this episode. And then I have an exercise at the end that takes away all of those best bits and gives them to you so that you can start implementing them into your everyday life. Um, hi, everyone. It's nice to meet you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bridget, and I am the assistant director of Towards Avencia, longtime collaborator of Jorge, and I'm also a dancer, voice actor, motion capture performer, teacher, etc, etc, multi-hyphenate artist that we all are today. <laughs> so this conversation with Hothesh, as you know, you've just finished listening to it, is brilliant. There's so many 
golden moments of um, speaking about that state of consciousness where everything just flows. And it was so nice to see um, Jorge and Hafesh riffing off of one another, speaking the same, speaking about the same thing, but using different language and different histories that have brought them to experiencing the same thing. Um, I think overall, the big thing I'm going to take from Hafesh is his approach to his work being extremely pragmatic. I mean, it's it's fascinating to hear him speak about um, surfing and the lessons that he's gotten from surfing. Uh, you know, concentrating on what he can control and letting go of what he can't control and how that naturally flows into his choreographic work, you know, focusing on what he can control, which is creating this space uh, for his dancers and for his audiences um, where everyone can disappear into their thinking mind and uh, just experience what comes from disappearing away from the thinking mind. Um, you know, in that, in that trip that he described, like the, the trance as it were. Um, so really focusing on creating that and diverting his energy into that and letting go of the things that he can't control, which is the opinions of people who aren't willing to go to that place, who aren't willing to disappear into their thinking mind. Um, critics of his work, um, whether it's something positive to say or something negative to say, you know, it's something that he can't control. And um, there seems to be a great deal of wisdom in letting that go. Um, a great deal, I think uh, Jorge described it as kind of a maturity about him in the way that he's approaching it. And that is to say that alongside of that letting go of what he can't control, there's still an element there that acknowledges how important all of this is. Um, the way the way Hoffesh described it as we as artists are constantly putting ourselves in the position to be ostracized by the community and then sent out to be eaten by wolves. Every time that we present work, we are putting ourselves in an extremely vulnerable position to be judged. And it's not, that's not something to be taken lightly. And what I really appreciate about that is he's acknowledging the importance and the gravity of what we do and that it's, it's scary, it's vulnerable, and it's important. It's so important. But at the same time, we can't allow ourselves to get distracted by all of that so that we can't do what it is that we've set out to do, which is to make a dance piece or perform or pop up on a surfboard, catch that wave, right? Um, it links back to uh, something that I'm definitely going to be uh, keeping close at hand uh, moving forward is the idea that in order to be confident in these spaces, whether you know, you're choreographing for the Royal Ballet or um, you're just going into a meeting or...
something that I'm definitely going to be taking away from this is, uh, And all of this links back to, I think, one of the big things that I'm going to be taking away, like a, a little golden nugget that's going, uh, <laughs> coming with me, is the idea that in order to be confident in these scary spaces where we're being asked to do what we do, you know, choreographing for the Royal Ballet um, or being on stage or maybe even having that difficult conversation with a partner is instead of focusing on how to be confident in those situations, is to just get on with the task that you're there to do. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. And it actually really ties into something that we do here with Towards Eventia, um, and that's a key component of the methodology that Jorge's created called the demystification of the art of performance. You know, we often think that performance is, like performance presence is this thing that only a select few people have, or, you know, we experienced it once in a blue moon and we'll never experience it again because it was just one of those things where everything was in alignment and everything was just perfect. And, you know, that only happens by chance. It's absolutely not true. It's, and thinking that way means that it's way different. It's too distant for all of us, meaning that we can't achieve it. When, as we know, that's not true. That's not true at all. This is something that we can experience. Performance presence is something we can experience. It's something that because we can experience it, we can replicate the experience. And because we can replicate the experience, we can continue to train on top of that experience. We can continue to build and build and build and build until it becomes a skill that we have. So it's not far off in the distance. Yes, it's this incredible thing that is magical and special and um, words can't sometimes describe what that thing is, but it's also something that we can achieve. And the more that we focus on the steps to do it, the less we concern ourselves with the how and the, oh my gosh, is it something that I can actually be? You know, we are focusing on the steps. We are being pragmatic. We are letting go of what we can't control. The idea that this is something that only a select few people are able to achieve. And we are focusing on what we can control, which is the steps that will turn us into someone that can achieve performance presence. So all of this leads us to our exercise associated with this conversation. Step one, choose something that's been on your to-do list for a while now that you haven't done because there's an element of fear there. Um, it's a scary task to do. Or maybe it's a task that you'll do once you become someone who is able to do that task or who is ready to do that task. An example of that would be You've wanted to contact this choreographer for a really long time, but you don't feel you have enough experience yet to be able to do so. Got one in mind? Got a task in mind? Great. Step two, 
block out some time during your week, literally five minutes, where you are going to put on a piece of music and you are going to repeat one move over and over and over again for the length of the entire song. So for example, you choose your favorite pop song and you're going to shadow box the whole time. Same movement repeated over and over and over again whilst this music is playing. Immerse yourself in the experience of this repetitive action and the soundscape that's going on. Completely commit to that little uh, universe of movement and sound that you get completely absorbed in. Step three, once all of that is finished, without thinking too much, go straight to complete that scary task. Acknowledge that there might be some emotions that come up whilst you're doing it, but commit to just doing the task. Here are a couple little hints. Uh, uh, here are a couple little tips and tricks in order to do this exercise that I would recommend. Try doing it a couple times throughout your week and try changing up the music and the move that you do. So it doesn't always have to be your favorite pop song. Maybe one day you want to use heavy metal or the next day you want to use a very delicate piece of classical music or maybe one day you want to use white noise. It's totally up to you what music or what sounds you use. So play, play around and see what, um, if you have a different result using one type of music versus a different type of music. Same thing with the movement. Will your experience be different um, if you jump up and down instead of shadow boxing? Will it be different if you... Um, draw circles with your hips versus drawing circles with your fingers versus twisting your spine, you know, change up the, change up the physical action as well and see what happens to your experience. Then the last tip that I would offer is if the task that you have chosen seems extremely daunting, um, like doing it in the first time that you try this exercise seems a bit, ah, I, I don't know about that. Try breaking it up into chunks, into more manageable chunks. So it's something that you can achieve over a period of, say, maybe four days. So the first day, after you finish moving and grooving, just write the email. Not with the intention of sending it just yet, but just write the email so you have some text. Step two. Following day, send it to a friend for some feedback. Someone that you trust, someone that you know is going to give you some solid information about uh, what you've written. Step three, after you've done all of the movement, implement the feedback that your friend gave you. Day four, after you've danced, commit to sending that email. It's now or never. You've done all of the steps to lead yourself up to that point and be pragmatic that now's the time 
send it off. Good luck. Be brave. Focus on just doing the task. Remember what Hafesh said. We busy ourselves with being confident. We're not going to do the task that we've been asked to do in the first place. So be pragmatic. Commit to demystifying the process. And share with us your experiences. Uh, take photos, videos, share them on social media. Add the hashtag towards Avencia in conversations with. And yeah, let us know what happens from you taking these brave decisions. Beautiful people, all the best, and we'll see you next time.